1: The interstate system was built to keep certain groups in and certain groups out. So it was built right. on a racist system,
2: correct? Yeah, often this wasn't just uh, an act of neglect. Often this was a conscious choice. There is racism physically built into some of our highways. The Trump administration wanted to inflict
3: cruelty on these children and their parents to make an example of them and try and deter other families from coming. And that didn't work because they kept coming. This administration is actually treating people in keeping with the ideals of our country, with compassion, with common sense, with care.
1: Can you guys just wear a mask? Can you please just wear a mask? I'm really over this. I'm really over this. Can you please wear a mask? A mask? <laughs>
4: that person having an emotional breakdown is just one of millions of Americans, young people, who are unable to handle reality. Unable to handle the uh, the, um, <laughs> the pandemic, and uh, unable to uh, you know wake up and take on life whatsoever. Please wear a mask for her; she's going nuts, and she needs you to do it. And you know what? It's one thing to be broken as a person at at like twenty three years old, but this is where parents need to get involved. Why are you letting your kids broadcast it? Can
1: you guys just wear a mask? <clears throat> Can you please just wear a mask? I'm really over this. I'm really over it. Can you please wear a mask? Things.
4: <laughs> I don't know. You know, so there's a lot going on here. We have a lot to talk about. Hello, everybody. Nice to be back. So much is happening. Um, we've had a great weekend here with a momentous achievement. <laughs> Personal
1: I was trying even, to think what it could be. One for the history books, and then it, I realized what you're. This has to. been
4: <laughs> tweeted out on the Burnborough Podcast Twitter. You can see pictures. Has it? of my new most prized possession? Sure, it's not fully operational. It may need more. I I need another part of it, and that's why I'm asking you. Go to our Twitter, and you can see there. I have. I am the proud owner of a the platform for a historic cannon. You can see it with the big wheels there. It's either from the Revolutionary War or the was the one after that. There was another one, the Civil War. The Civil know. War, exactly. Or it's a, the my hotel guest at the at the Parker House twenty two years ago when I said, "Oh, there's a Civil War monument up the street." She was from the th- South. She said, "There were there wasn't nothing civil about it."
1: Yeah, they call it the War Between the States. Yeah, nothing she was civil not pleased
4: about, about the um, the burning of the cities, among other things. Salty, <laughs> salty, salty. So yes, so I have my the platform to the cannon. So the so if anybody out there has a barrel as in a cannon, that's what I need next to go with my wooden part. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be showing in the front of my house, and it's going to be raining down terror <laughs> on uh, greater Newberry, Massachusetts. Alice, I will be the king of... <laughs> in the neighborhood it will not in fact be a, an operational cannon because the <laughs> do you want to
1: share what uh authorities frown on do you want to share what your third child said when you brought it home
4: uh yeah, what did he say he wants to be shot out of it
1: yeah he said can i be shot out of it first isn't that interesting <laughs> that they defaulted to
4: that being that's tempting of course and i don't think we're going in that direction but uh, yes, but that's please. their reference I for need the cannon. Go check it out on Twitter, and you can see this awesome thing I got thanks to the two guys who uh, who helped strap it into the minivan because it didn't fit. So I had to just drive home like twenty five miles with uh with the back door open and this cannon. Well, what's the what's the pieces? Yeah. Of the cannon. So
1: while Tom was out yeah. um, perusing Craigslist free stuff, trying to score cool things on Craigslist free stuff, now, I don't was- give away. My Mm -hmm. private marketplace. I don't need competition. Okay. I was um, helping the neighbor cut their plywood. Yes. Do a good shape. So I'm like measuring and cutting. And then um, Tom pulls into the driveway and the neighbor goes, what does Tom have? (laughs) (laughs) And I look up and there's our orange minivan with these huge wheels coming out of the back of it.
4: Yes. Well, Alice, I am. I am. I am. A great man, and the fact that you laymen you toil about mm-hmm. your small projects, mm-hmm. uh, is that, that is your charter, for that is your uh, place to be in life. Alice, I'm a man of, uh, of uh, prestige and historical significance, and I'm going to be more when I get my barrels. So I, I do like
1: help- the cannon, so when the cannon actually has a cannon on it and isn't just wheels and a platform, I do think we should put it out front, because I think that's very cool.
4: Absolutely absolutely so well, there's a lot going on now you probably heard from the beginning of this um of this uh we're going on a health kick by the way we're going we're checking ourselves back in the sturdy wings starting tomorrow because alice and i have been uh misbehaving uh health-wise i think it's fair to say is that fair to say Alice? accurate okay so um you heard that was april ryan the white house correspondent which is a laughing <laughs> concept <coughs> speaking to pete Buttigieg, who's the Secretary of Transportation. Because like the roads I rode with my cannon yesterday, the highway system in the roads around your towns are racist. And there is actually <clears throat> there is actually movements in states to dig out highways right. to get rid of them, the same way they got rid of statues because these highways were were the contention is this, these highways were built, um uh ostensibly to or sometimes I- explicitly mm-hmm. to wall off opportunities from black uh black communities and to separate whites from blacks in some areas
1: or that they like went through black neighborhoods right so they, and to use so it, they like a civil they, a, asset not civil asset forfeiture what's the other one eminent domain right. all the black owned exactly. buildings and built the highways <clears throat>
4: Exactly. So these highways are now racist. In, in Budapest, in April, Ryan, and so part of this huge jobs uh, law bill that we're that mm-hmm. we're that, that Biden's trying to get through Congress right now is a whole bunch of money for infrastructure, and of course, social justice has to be sewn into everything. So now the backstory is now these highways are racist. Says a grown woman who's a reporter. That's fine. To <laughs> Uh, a grown man who was an Ivy leaguer and supposedly is an intelligent person. And he absolutely agrees. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's
2: sometimes you hear folks say, well, look, we tried, we, we tried to find a black owned uh, business to bid on this project, but they just weren't out there. Well, uh, if that's actually true, we got to take responsibility for why they're not out there and build more businesses up uh, that maybe exist, but they haven't been certified. Maybe they haven't been big enough to get the, bar-
4: maybe exist, haven't been certified. This is, Bending ourselves into pretzels here in order to try to facilitate this idea that everything comes down to race is forcing us to have to take such a departure from logic. There may not be enough all black road crews to do all the work. There may not be enough. I'm sorry. There may not be enough all white road crews or, or what. The numbers just may not be there. Now, I understand that the reason for that, everything has to come down to racism and in in uh injustices for I'm the I'm holding
1: out for the all women's construction team to build the next highway honey Right
4: well there's a reason obviously the women didn't get to vote until I mean, 100 years ago or so and women were uh, oppressed continue to be as a matter of fact get paid less than men and are you know at least half of them are routinely raped according to uh <laughs> what i hear from uh academics so so here we go so the, we're playing make believe here so bulu is going to play make believe along with April Ryan, who's happy to
2: bonding or go through these hoops to even have a shot at bidding on a federal project. We've got to work on all of that. And I can tell you, Ambassador Susan Rice, who's leading the Domestic Policy Council, has been paying a lot of attention to this and other issues.
4: I love how he cites a high level black woman mm-hmm. for April Ryan in his answer. Let me just pick one out of top of my head. Um, Ambassador Susan Rice. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. This is pandering. Now the the story of the highway system is an interesting story, but it is a thousand different stories, mm-hmm. and you, the, your level of corruption and the um, the um, how how different cities had evolved have a lot to do with it. Good old fashioned corrupt cities like Boston, absolutely. We have Route ninety five was supposed to tear right through Boston. And it ended up not doing it. It used the footprint of Route 128. And if if you don't believe that there is money moving around to decide the routes of these highways, that is absolutely true. I could certainly see how, for if in some areas in the country, to see that, hey, you know what, just throw it through the black section. You know, they don't have any. Uh, they don't have. Uh, they don't have the resources to. Um, to win any legislative battles mm-hmm. and a push back against. You know, Jim Crow uh, at that time in the 50s, etc. I'm sorry, the unraveling of Jim Crow at that time, you know, Mm -hmm. was was, uh, absolutely bad people will do bad things for many bad reasons.
5: Right. Absolutely.
1: I think it's interesting that you cite that because, um, you know, Boston obviously is one of the most corrupt political cities ever, which is why we still can't do infrastructure projects with any kind of... uh, integrity at all like everything costs the most is the most inefficient takes the longest it's just impossible right we're
4: we're we're corrupt and incompetent right so we we will screw up a free lunch we can't manage to get the olympics here but we can manage to make the process corrupted we can't manage to get grand prix racing in the streets of boston but we could manage to make that a scam Mm -hmm. you know we can't get stuff here because we're so used to uh, shaking people down
5: mm-hmm.
4: and dragging uh, you know, people through the corrupt mud here in the town. Nothing gets done. Chicago right. gets stuff done. It's corrupt, too. But they get stuff. Th- Chicago has a Millennium Park, which looks millennial park, Millennium Park, which looks mm-hmm. gorgeous. Chicago's beautiful. They use the lakeshore correctly. So they're also deeply corrupt. But stuff gets done.
1: Right. But I, I think to the broader point and like Pete Buttigieg and his like infrastructure is racist point. Right. I think that what you're saying almost brings up that this corruption and this um, when your government isn't run transparently and when it's run by outside interests where there's money changing hands, that hurts minorities. You know, it hurts the people who are more powerless. It doesn't. Hurt the big guy that your city's corrupt Mm and that your mayor or whoever is getting paid off to put projects in certain neighborhoods. You know, that's so I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that Boston is considered like a very racist and a very segregated city in some corners on the left because, you know, Boston (laughs) has a history of you know, and Massachusetts in general, Beacon Hell, has a history and a reputation for doing things for insiders, doing things yep. for political buddies. And and who does that hurt? It doesn't hurt rich people in Wellesley. It hurts, you know, minority neighborhoods in Dorchester. Oh right. There's no so, doubt so I think that it's while it's true that, you know, the ways some of these projects were done in the past has obviously hurt minority communities. Mostly it hasn't been a case of, you know, the government being racist per se, but a bunch of people being self-serving.
4: Right, and although at times you could see the divide and Mm -hmm. make that, you could, you could, it's easy enough to make the argument because there's so many moving pieces. You Mm -hmm. could say that that 93 cuts off Dorchester from Southie, and it kind of does. Right. You know, and Southie at one time was very white Southie, and Dorchester was more, integrated Mm -hmm. um and you know so there are there are things that you could look at the stamp but also the when the highway elevated highway was put in on right through boston and when it was done almost immediately plans were made to remove it because Mm -hmm. it was terrible it cut off the italian section of town so the north end was severed off of the boston the the mainland almost Mm -hmm. uh so all sorts of people get hurt by all sorts of stuff you know The suburbs, the white suburbs, get Route 128, which is Route 95. You know, all the nice, right, rich places, and it goes along with a tech belt where people were making all sorts mm-hmm. of money from wangs through digital, whatever, uh, through the 60s and 70s and 80s, et cetera. They get their own cool highway to use. Mm-hmm. So there is, it, it is, most of this corruption is a greed class thing. Mm-hmm is not a race thing. I'm sure for some people that was a cherry on top, you know? And, oh, yeah. But, um, but let's I'll, I'll get, we have to get back to Buttigieg pandering. I to, mean, yeah, I
1: think maybe the groups that historically have been corrupt in Boston aren't known for their uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Like, I don't think Whitey Bulger's gang was probably really big on diversity and inclusion
4: necessarily. Uh, right, although I, he... He ruined a lot more lives of Italians than anybody
1: else. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't think, like you said, like for some people, it might have been the cherry on top. Mm. I think for him and some of his buddies, that could be a plus to some of these things. There's an
2: initiative called
1: Justice 40. But you are really the focus being transportation. Um, where do you see the dollars going to? Who Whose pockets do you believe they're going to? Because I'm thinking about, uh, what the president is trying to do, he's trying to stimulate the economy, put, put people back to work. And when I think of construction, I think about those who are on the construction jobs. A lot of times it's uh, Latino brothers and sisters and it could be black brothers and sisters, um, you know,
4: and they have the numbers. And- this is a White House reporter. I say that while cracking a smile. And one of the more reasonable White House reporters, as a matter of fact, but yes, this is a White House reporter. Unemployment that are historically lower than white America. Hey, wait, wait a second. How come the whites don't get to be brothers and sisters? How come the blacks and Latinos are her brothers and sisters, but the whites
1: aren't her brothers and no, sisters? No, we're not brothers and sisters. Where do you see these dollars for construction going, and what do you think it's going to do to black and brown communities?
2: Yeah, this, of- this is really important. We're going to create billions and billions of dollars. Tough question, April. Dollars in-
1: doesn't it just reveal how they view the federal government and federal legislation?
2: How as, who views
1: uh, the left in general as a um, money pot to grab from? Whose pockets do you see this bill going into? Yeah, Congress just passed a bill. Who gets money? Like that's that's your first thought. Not what does the law do? What are the infrastructure projects? None of that. So who's going to get the money that Bill Joe Biden is passing right now?
2: economic opportunity and we have to make sure that happens equitably so let me talk about two parts of that the first is where the investments happen where are we going to fix the bridge where are we going to improve the road where are we going to lay the pipe and we got to make sure we're doing that equitably especially knowing that it was often in black and brown communities that there
4: the, the unfortunate thing happening here is his carefully crafted pander sandwich <laughs> that he's putting together for her and mm-hmm. serving her up she's eating every bit of it up She's buying every... Oh, okay. He said the right word there. Remember he when he was we- the
1: enemy and he was getting like 2% of the black folk because they all saw through his weasel, like anti-racist yes.
4: stuff? Yes. Well, and... Other reasons think, <laughs> that we don't talk about. There's either a
2: failure to invest and you didn't have a good road or transit system in, in a certain neighborhood or the investment came through in the wrong way, like a highway dividing a black neighborhood in two. There's been a lot of that in the American. And the
1: interstate system, the interstate system was built to keep certain groups yeah. in and certain groups out. So it was.
4: That is an incorrect, posited statement. That is not why the interstate what system do you mean, was built. What she's a reporter? <laughs> it was built to keep some folks in, some folks out. No, it was built so that we could get the freak out of Dodge, among other reasons.
1: Highways are Jim Crow, honey.
4: Can you imagine... That's why they're built, yep, keeping some folks in. Built on
1: a racist system, correct?
2: Yeah, often this wasn't just uh, an act. Even he
4: must be saying, wow, she's stupid. Okay, here we go.
2: Neglect. Often this was a conscious choice. There is racism physically built into some of our highways.
4: As a matter (laughs) of science.
1: Physically built in, not just metaphorically built in, not just, you know, built in in spirit. It's physically built into so, the highway. They they add some racism to the concrete mix yes. when they pour the concrete, honey.
4: So it, you would have to ignore everything
5: mm-hmm.
4: to suggest that racism can't be built in to... it. And if it was, it was done mistakenly and done foolishly. It didn't work. You know, populations have soared. In cities that we didn't think they would, with the uh, with the incoming highway systems, mm-hmm. you know, Houston is a huge city right now. In 1950, it wasn't. You know, this is, happens all over the place, and uh, you know, the, the highway system made the uh, commuter helped the commuter build communities mm-hmm. everywhere. And I know that that accounts for some white flight. Certainly, understand that. And you know, to counter that, you have do-gooders in the '60s with uh, urban renewal plans that totally destroyed some beautiful neighborhoods, including Boston's West End, which was the Jewish community at that point, uh, largely. Um, yeah,
1: but there was white flight. But now there's gentrification, so it's racist either way. It's racist right. if you move into the city, and racist you if <laughs> you move out of the city. You're not going to go anywhere,
4: <laughs> apparently. So, I mean, this is just this is an exercise in intellectual laziness. That we're getting. Mm -hmm. Buttigieg is not not being challenged because April Ryan is not good at questions and answers. That field of things shouldn't (laughs) be what she's doing. But she gets nice gigs.
2: And that's why the jobs plan has dollars specifically committed to reconnect some of the communities that were divided by these dollars.
4: God, I hope we take down the highways. (laughs) Just do it. I don't even care. We're up in the sticks now. We don't even need the highways. We have secondary roads. I had, had to take my illicit cannon, you know, on side roads to get back here because it, I was sure it was going to fall out in the highway.
1: I hope. I hope using highways becomes racist. Yes. like that. You have to be canceled if you use the highway. I hope so. Yes.
4: <laughs> I hope. I'm all for this. I want, uh, you know, Spike Lee and Pete Diddy to shake down all the corporations who have feel guilty, and I want. People, white people from wellesley massachusetts afraid to use route 95 because they'll feel like a bad person and people will be saying i want you to uh show your you know what they're going to say we want to make sure that hand us your gps coordinates because (laughs) we want to check on where you're going and make sure you're not using the racist roads
2: so there's intention about that so that's part one right making sure the dollars go out in a way that's equitable part two i think is what you're talking about which is the business opportunities right Are there going to be black owned businesses and and women owned businesses and other uh, what are called often DVEs uh, getting a shot at these contracts?
4: Hopefully there will be women owned business getting a shot at these contracts, Alice, because you poor guys can't compete in the marketplace because you're the inferior gender, right? You know, tap you on the head. Sorry, dumb Mm -hmm. poor. uh, Do we know what a DDE is? I don't know, dumb poor woman, I'm sorry that you're just not equipped to compete out there and get the business, so we'll direct some to you. How insulting must this be?
1: It's ridiculous. It's I insulting
4: mean... to everybody. You know, this is... Black businesses, women-owned businesses, uh, Asian-owned businesses, mm-hmm. white businesses, everybody's capable in this country of being a success. Right. You know, there's not a... Firewall of racism that's saying don't take the black businesses. Don't, take the, don't make sure no women come in. If that
1: it, if it's anything, it has more to do with people <laughs> like Pete Buttigieg spouting nonsense like this, saying black owned businesses aren't able to get certified, so we have to help them or whatever. You could have
4: a a <clears throat> a black woman in Wellesley, Massachusetts, as long as she's not a conservative, can open a shop. You know, is selling uh, plutonium laced cashews for a thousand dollars a pop, and half the town would patronize the shop, just to show how good they are, and eat the cashews. Am I out of line with that?
1: No. Okay. Go ahead. I expected more ebullience. <laughs> Sorry.
2: What about the workers? You know, when you go by a worksite, a union worksite, too often. A union
4: worksite. Yeah, it has
2: to be union. Shh.
4: The unions have never been racist, by the way. They've never taken the uh, pension funds of hardworking uh, black, black brothers and sisters, and Hispanic brothers and sisters as April Ryan said, and spent it for their own mobbed-up purposes.
2: And uh, the workers don't really look uh, quite like the community or the country. And and we have a chance to do something about that too. Things like pre-apprenticeship programs to make sure that more uh, people who maybe don't have a family history of being in union-building trades, but could and should uh, be able to get these jobs.
4: I don't know what the pre-apprenticing program is, pre-apprenticeship program, um, but it sounds like something that might be okay. I'll yeah. look into I it. I think Certainly in your concept, later
1: clip with Marty Wall, she I talks about that. using. Um, he talks about using pre-apprenticeship programs to take people who are like felons or who have been in prison mm-hmm. or whatever, and funneling them into building trades.
4: I think that's. That, I mean, obviously, it's going to be corrupt because the unions are going to run it, etc. <laughs> but I think that it, teaching people trades. Is a brilliant, fantastic idea. And yeah. I'm for that. I'm, I'm for, as a matter of fact, subsidizing uh, trade schools mm-hmm. for people. I wish I had a trade that I knew how to do. I wish I had a freaking talent. You know, I have to sit here and, you know, crochet doilies <laughs> as my wife, you know, builds sheds because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's uh 347 pound. Useless waif, <laughs> prancing around the house. It's very emasculating for You're me. you my Alice. trophy wife. <laughs> it's very emasculating. What do they call? It? Am I Reuben-esque? Is that what
1: that is? Yeah, that's another nice like, word for fat. Right? Rubens is an artist that painted chubby
4: people. Yeah, oh, I like that word chubby.
2: And working with the business community, I, I think it's going to be challenging, but uh, we've got to do it. Uh, making sure that there are opportunities to be subcontractors and prime contractors on these great federal uh, uh, projects that, that are coming through. And it's going to be very important. I know to the president. And vice- by the way,
4: I'm all for this. I want black small businesses to do great. I believe in white, we spent in- quite
1: a bit of money in the last couple of years at a minority-owned contracting business, by the way. Oh, yeah. Not to toot our own horn, See? but... <laughs> Yes, I think.
4: Uh, yes, I think we actually we we spent many thousands of dollars that we do not have that we had <laughs> to get from some damn white banker somewhere to invest in a de-letting program boondoggle project. <laughs> but not only I think it makes us good because we helped, um, our um black and Hispanic brothers and sisters.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But there's a remote possibility. There were even better, because there's a remote possibility that some of our undocumented brothers and sisters may have benefited from our project, Alex. It's
1: possible. I'm just throwing I, out. I don't check know. for immigration status. When we don't know. I don't
4: even see any of this. Uh, uh, any anyway, colors th- but, or anything. But,
1: and I'll tell you another mm-hmm. thing.
4: Mm-hmm. I would use our contractor who did this again, not because he's my black or Hispanic brother or sister. Because he was because awesome. He's awesome. Yes. Correct. Guys, great. If you need a contractor up here in near uh, Newburyport, Massachusetts, uh let me know. Or Lowell Lawrence, whatever he's around there too. He can help you. Take care of you, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do the- I mean there are there are tons of black and Hispanic and immigrants in everybody in the construction trades. It's a very equal opportunity um sector of the economy uh not not so much for women i would say it's a little less diverse on the gender front but um but in terms of diversity if you're looking for diverse, there are tons of black owned businesses hispanic owned businesses immigrant owned businesses in the construction trades and so um you know uh, there is obviously a lot of opportunity there to to invest in minority owned businesses but to claim that that's like the goal of the program Mm -hmm. is to invest in minority-owned businesses is insulting to those businesses because a lot of them are fantastic businesses that you should just hire on the merits because they're great and do a great job and give competitive quotes and they're awesome. You know, it should... We didn't hire our contractor because he was a minority. We hired our contractor because he gave us a great quote. He was personable. He made us feel comfortable with the whole process and the situation. I mean, it was all kinds of factors. But he was absolutely the best person. I'd hire him again for anything in a second. It, The idea that it's Pete Buttigieg who's insulting to minority uh, construction businesses. Yeah. When he says, like, oh, they're just not able to get permits. They're uh, not able to do this, not able to do that. And let me tell you something else about the not able to get permits thing. Um, We... It's such a hassle getting like quotes and everything for a construction project. And like Tom mentioned, we were doing it through loans, which meant that everything had to go through the bank. The quotes all had to go through the bank. They needed copies of the insurance certificates and this and that and all these things. And we had some contractors who were white, by the way, drop out of the bidding process because it was like too much of a hassle dealing with the bank stuff. And our bank loved our contractor. They were really? like, he's so qualified. He was able to get us all the like recommendations and quotes and insurance documents right away. He does a fabulous job. They like thought he was the best thing ever because they work with contractors all the time, and he had all his ducks in a row, paperwork wise, documentation wise, in terms of like his liability insurance and everything else. Uh, so you know, it's not minorities aren't incapable of getting uh, the. Correct permits and documents to run a business. They're great at it because right. they're not disadvantaged. It's ridiculous, and their behavior around this, around like, well, maybe the minority businesses are just not able to do it as well. So that's why yeah, we there's need to that help spirit. Them. It sounds it's so disgusting. damn
4: condescending. It sounds so damn. You're right. It's patronizing. It's patronizing, and that's like why would you? Would you? Would you want to have? That kind of attitude, like rub off on your kid. Right. You know? And if, that's, um, I mean, that that is uh, I, a, let me tell you what, uh, an example of something I'll call, I'll call it uh, white privilege, mm-hmm. or I'll call it whatever, I'm a white guy, so I'll call it my own privilege, and maybe you listening as well, is that my parents told me I could do anything I want to do. My dad mm-hmm. said I have to work hard. My mom said I'm just so damn special that uh, that doors will open for me. Uh, my mom, my mother was obviously lying. It was not special. I, in now retrospect, I think that she probably thought I couldn't do a whole lot, so she, oh, she just piled it on thick. But I was stupid enough to assume I could do what I wanted. So you know, I've done a few things here that on paper I shouldn't have been able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had the audacity of hope, which is the name of the book I'm writing about this, as a matter of fact, <laughs> Alice. <laughs> I had the audacity to believe, and you listening probably had the same thing, where you have mm-hmm. no business achieving what you've achieved in one way or another, because you were naive enough to believe you could do it. And right. when you're don't enough to believe you can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. But if at all, if there's anything that turns the lights out in your mind and says, no, you can't do it, then That's it's over. too hard. Then it's over. I just, you know what? I just actually, at my family's house, I just, um, I found this poem and, and this is a poem that my dad or grandfather had. And it was in with some old pictures from the last, some of these pictures are from the 1920s. But this poem, uh, I think is fantastic. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to I'll uh, be reading poems very often, I promise you, just in case you're starting to get nervous and dive in for the button. But this is a poem that uh, I just found. And if I have that, stick with me. Uh, where is my poem, Alice?
1: I don't know where your poem is. I'm not in charge of your poem. Oh, here
4: it is. Okay, so listen to this. <clears throat> this is called, uh, requested by Mrs. M. E.M.B. Sagas Mass. This is probably 50 years old or so, maybe 100, I don't know. Author unknown. If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think that you dare not, you don't. If you like to win, but you think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you've lost. For out in the world, you'll find success begins with a fellow's will. It tells you how old this is, uh, mm-hmm. moments, but the fellow's will. It's all in a state of mind. Uh... "'Full many a race is lost, or even a step is run.'" I think er means before, Alice. There, I usually pronounce it "'Full many a race is lost, uh, before even a step is run. Mm -hmm. "'And many a coward falls before his work's begun. "'Think big, and your deeds will grow. "'Think small, and you'll fall behind. "'Think that you can, and you will. "'It's all in the state of mind. "'If you think you're outclassed, you are. "'You've got to think high to rise.' You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man. But sooner or late, but sooner or late, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. This damn poem is great. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely it. The best thing you can... And this is is Tom Shattuck's... Who's got a net worth right now of about $8? <laughs> so a, take if, his success the advice, ca- plus people. Plus a, a decrepit cannon. <laughs> uh, uh, I seriously think that belief that you can do anything
5: mm-hmm.
4: and the ability to have a positive attitude, in other words, make people smile when you come into the room, make them feel good, and simply learning how to say please and thank you, there's your college degree. Right there. Those three things. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: That's what you need. And you can add to that the uh, ability to shut up and listen. Right. So maybe four things right there. Mm -hmm. And and if you do that, then not only will you benefit from your work quality, but people will want to help you. People want to take care of you, give you a hand up, give you an opportunity. Because they see that as a... as uh, valuable qualities. And they want to cultivate those kind of qualities when they see them.
1: hmm Yeah. So. If people want you to be around and if you're helpful to them and make their lives easier, then um, then you're going to go a long way. That's just... All there is to it. I mean, of course, nothing in life is totally certain, and there's all kinds of factors that are out of our control. Yes,
4: and the highways are racist.
1: The highways are racist. The schools are racist. The cops are racist. Everybody's racist. Lots of those things seem to be uh, have union involvement. By the way, speaking of racism,
4: very, very. Um, mm-hmm. awful Actually, for... somebody
1: raised a good point the other day in one of our YouTube comments, saying because uh, we were talking about unions, that like public sector and private sector unions are totally different beasts, right? Because like something like 40% of the public sector is unionized and only like 6% of the public sector or the private sector is rather. So, you know, obviously these public sector unions have an enormous amount of power. But what I see like when Biden is passing these huge infrastructure bills and everything it's essentially turning the private sector unions into public sector unions you work for the government now you know and that's when these things turn into boondoggles that's when that's when everything turns into a mess when the right. unions are advocating against the taxpayer
4: right and it's and and lower classes and mm-hmm. minorities will get the shaft and just look at the education system. Right. All of the money, the federal money, state money, all the money that's poured in, the, all these, the brightest minds like Buttigieg designing these schools and coming up with the curriculum mm-hmm. and all of these brilliant leftist uh, pro, pro, uh, progressive think tanks. And at the end of the day, the schools in the inner cities in many places just suck.
1: Yeah. Or look at the COVID whole thing with the teachers' unions. You know, the CDC and Biden and all the American Academy of Pediatrics and all the people that have science behind them can jump up and down and say science says that kids can be in school. It's not dangerous. It's safe. They can jump up and down and say science says kids under age 12 don't really have to wear masks. They don't have to in Europe, you know, in schools. And it doesn't matter. The teachers unions, they want to make it as painful as humanly possible to go back to school on purpose just to stick it so that they can get demand. (laughs) Can you imagine? President, very important to me as well. So a lot of minorities set aside contracts.
2: Yeah, well, uh, we'll have to make sure that it's done in in obviously the right legal framework.
4: Now, April, if she were good at the shop, she would realize that he is dancing around this question right now. (laughs) That's not going to happen.
2: And and do it right. But to me, it's not just how the contract is written as he moves away from that (laughs) subject, it's making sure we're helping to build up a business base, because sometimes you hear folks say, well, look, we tried, we we tried to find a black owned uh, business to bid on this project, but they just weren't out there. Well, uh, if that's actually true, we got to take responsibility for why they're not out there and build more businesses up uh, that maybe exist, but they haven't been certified. Maybe they haven't been big enough to get the bonding or go through these hoops to even have a shot. They're bidding on a federal project. We've got to work on all of that. And I can tell you, Ambassador Susan Rice, who's leading the it's domestic we heard policy council.
4: So there you go. <clears> There's <throat> um, Buttigieg with April mm-hmm. Ryan's about the racist streets. And there are uh, countless numbers of articles out there and studies and colleges showing uh, um, um, it's um, anecdotal examples mm-hmm. of where urban uh, where planners and a lot of these these companies were ha actually you know t- t- thrilled that they'd be able to cut off the black community or or uh, spare the white community from um, eminent domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pain of eminent domain, and could, could nudge it right over here to the poor communities or the Italians or the Jewish mm-hmm. community, whatever it was, particular time. You can find those anecdotal uh, stories here and there. Um, but there is, it's far too complicated. The highway system, the road system. Once again, we can go back to Massachusetts. And if you've driven to Massachusetts, there's a point at which you're going on uh, 95 south, uh, but you're actually headed north. Yeah. And. These are all for reasons. Yeah, there's
1: part where Route 3 North and 95 South are the same highway, <laughs> briefly.
4: Yes. And it's part of these for part of the old Yankee Division Highway Networks, and there's
1: politics behind mm-hmm. every
4: single thing that goes on. Like we, there you know, was the, the, actually a
1: park. Do you remember in Melrose, there's Jerry Jingle Park mm-hmm. by the Dung and Donuts? And it's a state park, but it's essentially like a parking lot and a little gazebo. It's yes. like not even an acre. So that's because... Uh, a guy who liked to go to that bar that's right there by the Jerry yeah. Jingle Park worked at the Department of Transportation, or the Parks and Rec, or DCR, maybe whatever the one is that runs that. I think it's DCR. That's the where all the governors put all their like hack, yeah. most hack people. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so he liked to go to the the bar, so he wanted to make it a park so that he could go there. And- God bless him.
4: <laughs> God bless him. That is fantastic. That so is fantastic. it's more
1: decisions like that than, like, out-and-out out racism per se. Oh, that yeah. That drive a lot of the stupidity that happens. Oh, yeah.
4: The DCR folks, and along with sometimes some of the, um, like the people who work for the town, mm-hmm. they know how to live well. I mean, there are places in towns, like places where a lot of times there are water stations, pump stations or whatever, or mm-hmm. reservoirs, where the public is not allowed, but these cats hang out there and the, oh, yeah. the number of times the wasp the wasp the uh wafting of a marijuana um odor would come around to certain parts of the fells uh you know within, and have a truck in there i don't begrudge them uh, anywhere i've been in jobs where we've uh, slacked off and uh, it's part of the culture but some of these state and town gigs are nice gigs to have i want I, that's all i want i want i'm this governor won't even though he's a Republican, he would never hire me. <laughs> if like somebody... There's a handful of Republicans... The if I were be... governor,
1: I would never hire you.
4: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if I were governor, I would not hire me either. But I want a, I want a truck with um, sirens and lights. I want to blast oh, that's... through un- intersections. The current
1: Republican governor, he had to get rid of somebody who had that. I know! He used his... Uh, he had a light a, and he used it to like cut through rush hour traffic yes right through downtown boston he yeah. threw on the bubblers
4: and the sirens and just floored it right through down that is my dream that is what i want yeah i
1: think he was at dcr too yeah that, they whacked that him kid. yeah
4: that is a gig that's a gig for me <laughs> so i am uh looking by the way if you are somebody in the state looking to hire a uh slothful uh hack i am available <laughs> i am available aren't i
1: yeah you are actually available now i think you've um attacked our current governor too much to get a gig with him. Maybe
4: Sununu will take me in. I'm right up the down the road from New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. I can pretend to relocate to, you know, like as is the custom. All right, Alice, uh, let's go to border trouble. Julian Castro. So the border problem has, I mean, we know it's now way they've got so much, there's so much happening right now. There are crimes taking place. Kids are being abused in this, in in this, in this, uh, along the border it's just a total mess. The administration is without a fix. So much so now that they're thinking of cutting checks, taxpayer dollars, to individuals in uh, Central American countries to... Not extor- come here. Please, yes, bribe money are your taxpayer dollars to please just stay home. Which, of course, so the NGOs and a lot of these outfits that are moving the kids up will be the first of many checks they'll be expecting. Because <laughs> this doesn't end... You, you oh, don't, yeah. Yeah, this doesn't happen like that. You know, these companies. There's already, like we said, there's a human trade that's happening. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of these drug uh, dealers uh, have um, have repurposed their business model to deal with humans instead of drugs right now, oh, especially yeah. since Biden is, is the best
1: thing that ever happened to the cartels. Yes,
4: <clears throat> yes they're having a boom time
1: right now, and they've not they haven't been forced to close. And now Biden's gonna. Offer them extortion money to not to, to stop uh doing right. this. Which and is they're not... going to say
4: to the cartels, okay, so we're going to give you the extortion money now. You promise you won't try to come back again, right? And they'll say, oh yeah, absolutely, no way. It wasn't beneficial last time. We'll never do it again, right? Here is Julian Castro, who ran the border for um under um Obama. Obama. I think that it's a challenge.
3: Uh, what I believe is that this is something that we see year in and year out we saw these kinds of numbers of people coming when president obama was president when president trump was president now we're seeing it under president biden the difference with this administration versus the trump administration is number one they have people who are actually competent in these roles to, to deal with <laughs> uh, the the migration that's coming Second- is, that, is that
4: what uh, the comes to you when you see the pictures of these kids stacked, wearing the baked potato uh, blankets, stacked four feet high? You know, to me, I say, you know what, there's a lot of competence happening to facilitate mm-hmm. this happening right there. Yeah.
1: Also, just um, the whole premise is... A mess because he's saying that, oh, these same numbers of people were coming before under Trump, under Obama, no big deal. The difference is now we have competent people. Well, if the same numbers were coming under Trump and he was incompetent, then how come we weren't seeing scenes like we're seeing now under Biden? One of two things has to be true, or both things can be true, but either there are a lot more people coming, which there are and or the administration is not handling it competently because this is not a competent solution to the problem. It can't be that there's the same number of people coming as always and he's more competent because right. there's children packed like sardines into unused sports arenas as emergency facilities. Because all
4: these competent people decided to undo all of the policies that Trump put into place to mm-hmm. prevent this happening but this crew is so competent and non-punitive mm-hmm. that this what's happening now could never happen with this crew.
3: Whereas the Trump administration wanted to inflict cruelty on these children and their parents to make an example of them and
4: try and deter. A byproduct of our incompetence is cruelty, but at least we didn't want to. This bothers us. <laughs> See, you know, it-
3: other families from coming, and that didn't work because they kept coming. This administration is actually treating people. Oh, in so nothing. Out of the with...
4: usual is happening. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they just it didn't work. They tried to do it. To, it Didn't work. Oh, so so nothing's happening. So, so that's why I assume that uh, that Kamala Harris, who's in charge of this operation, hasn't been down there. She's having a snack.
3: The ideals of our country with compassion, with common sense, with care, and they're trying to get at the root causes of this, so that we don't have to deal with this next year, three years from now, five years from now. That's actually smart. That's smart.
1: Yeah.
4: Since we can't handle any kind of existential maneuvering from other countries, we're literally going to pay them to go away. This is a shakedown. It's not even a shakedown because they're not demanding to get paid. We just don't know what else to do.
1: Yeah. We don't know how to stop you from coming to our country. So if we give you money, will you just not try to? You know, and I mean, I don't know how much money they're planning to give to people in Guatemala and Honduras or wherever, but um, it's going to have to be a lot of money because if you come here, then you get a lot of free money. New York is looking at giving illegal immigrants who didn't qualify for the um, the covid stimulus money there. They want to give them each fifteen thousand dollars because they you know, were cut out of the stimulus bill. So it's going to have to be more than $15,000 because if you can come to the U.S. illegally and get $15,000 right. $15, free dollars, why would you stay in Honduras with
4: less? And that's because Cuomo is giving the wackos in his party anything they want so that they won't throw him out, which is also another nice byproduct of of corruption.
1: Right.
4: Jonathan Carl says of ABC on Twitter, candidate Biden suggested he would be a moderate transitional president. Nearly three months in, President Biden has blazed a different path, aiming to be a transformational president, using his narrow majority to ram through the biggest expansion of government since LBJ. <coughs> He's blazed a different path. Jonathan, let's uh, use some more colorful uh, wording. He's blazed a different path. Oh, is that another word for completely... Uh, how about this word that was invented during the Trump administration? Lied about everything on the campaign trail, blazed a different different path. That's called uh, used deception.
1: He said he wouldn't pack the courts, and now he's making a commission to study how he can do court packing. Hmm. He said he wouldn't get rid of the filibuster. Now he's trying to get rid of the filibuster. Blazing a different path. <laughs>
4: When Mitch McConnell uh, wouldn't listen to Merrick Garland, he was blazing a different path. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to use hear, that now. I didn't hear that uh, position as such. Uh, another, You know who also is blazing a different path? And this pissed mm-hmm. me off, particularly because I am a witness to seeing this in action when my co-worker from the Boston Herald, um, uh, AGC, AGC, uh, AGC, Andrea Gale Cohen, Andrea, uh, Adriana Cohen, Andrea, what am I talking The Andrea <laughs> Gale's the boat from the movie. It's Adriana Cohen, who's my friend. Adriana Gale Cohen is AGC. That's the same person. Uh, she is a, a syndicated writer for Creator Syndicate. You should check her writing out. She's a really cool person. We love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she actually, during the Trump White House, they reached out to her and said, hey, we're going to do a virtual um, thing where you can, from Boston Herald Studios, you can uh, ask a question to, um, it was the first Spicer at that time. But now, Jen Psaki in the Biden administration has started doing this, and it is everywhere as being a revolutionary new thing.
2: Thanks, Jen. A- oh. Uh, that's the other yeah.
1: What? <laughs> oh, he's a new member of our... I'm just kidding. Um, what we're going to start doing is we're going to start taking a question from a regional reporter who does not live in Washington, can't... Be here. Um, many of you started your careers that way. So uh, thank you for reminding me um, because I was going to walk off. Hello. It's very nice to meet you. Thanks for. And you are from Anchorage, Alaska. Come to us from Anchorage.
2: Yes, I'm here at the state capitol in Juneau today, though.
1: Great. Thanks for joining us. So this is the White House Press Corps. Uh, they won't ask you questions, but uh, how can we help you? What questions do you have for us today?
2: Well, thanks for the opportunity.
4: Yada, uh, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, it's a no, it's a It's qu- just a question about nothing. But um, so so there you go once again, and you should mm-hmm. check on social media. Everybody is wow thinking out of the box. Once again, this administration is stealing another Trump uh, tool. Right. Not only are they trying to slowly, uh, you know, uh, reconnect some of his border policies,
1: mm-hmm. um, including like all of them, like, right, remain but, in Mexico, the wall, right? Like-
4: but the vaccines. This is incredible that they're doing this. and But, of course, nobody needs to ever say anything good about the... To, she's too... Jen Psaki is too transparent to give any um, credit I to I assume in-
1: 50 years from now, kids will learn in American public schools about how Joe Biden uh, passed the Abraham Accords and <clears throat> got peace in the Middle East and everything Well, else. It,
4: it matters because he made this <laughs> too, because he is tr- working. He is, Biden right now is so... This administration is so eager to work with the Iranians to get another Mm -hmm. JCP whatever deal done that the Iranians have already said we're not that interested and the Americans are already giving in to concessions already. They're shaking us down again. (laughs) These mullers are like, I can't believe these fools are coming back. Who are they sending now? Last time it was John Kerry who kept getting raked over the coals by the Iranians. So Pete Buttigieg went on with Chris Wallace today. It's kind of the audio of the day for the Sunday shows anyway. And wallace I, I i I don't understand him sometimes there are certain principles that he just does not abide by and being bs'd by buddha judge on one particular question was uh was his passion today
0: uh all of you in the Biden administration have been selling this plan as a huge jobs creator here you are just last sunday
2: The American Jobs Plan is about a generational investment. It's going to create 19 million jobs. And we're talking about economic growth that's going to go on for years and years.
0: But it turns out the study you're citing from Moody's Analytics says the economy will add 16.3 million jobs without the infrastructure bill and 2.7 million more with it. So it doesn't, as you said last Sunday, create 19 million jobs. Again, Secretary Buttigieg, why mislead folks?
2: Well, you are right I should have been more precise the 19 million jobs that'll be created are more than the jobs that'll be created if we don't do the plan and it's very important to make this point as you right, just but showed million, us 2 million, uh, million more not, not saying 19 that we million. will create 2.7 million yeah exactly it'll create 2.7 million more uh, <laughs> uh, jobs than if we don't do it and that's very important because there are people uh, on this network and others saying with But the point is, is
4: that you said it was 19 million last week mm-hmm. No, 2 million. Isn't that great? 2 million. Yeah, I know. 2 million.
2: The straight face that this would somehow reduce the number of jobs. Uh, in fact, at least according to that Moody's. A v-
4: irrelevant straw man. <laughs> Some people said there would be no jobs. No, we've got two. Two is not quite 19, but it's two.
2: Analysis 2.7 million additional jobs if we pass this package. Just further proof that it's good for the economy and taken as a whole, it's going to add jobs compared to doing nothing.
0: But would you agree that you and the President and Brian Deese, the economic advisor on this program last week, you all exaggerated the jobs impact?
2: Look, there are a lot of different analyses about just how many million jobs this is going to create. I saw a Georgetown study. I think it said uh, an investment but, of this type but, but, will well, wait, create wait, or save 10 the, the Secretary, you're the one who decided Moody's
0: analytics jobs. as 19 million, and it's actually yeah. 2.7 million, which is a bunch, but it's not what you said.
2: It's part of a scenario that Moody says will create 19 million jobs. Uh,
0: but it, the, the, the bottom line the is it's going to quo. add
2: jobs. Right. And this is a direct refutation of people who are saying otherwise. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. I, I should be very precise. Uh, the difference in jobs that that particular analysis suggests is 2.7 million more. That is a great place to be. <laughs> Why wouldn't we want America to create 2.7 million more jobs?
4: But I just paid you $500 for courtside seats, and my seats are in the nosebleed. Well, right, but the nosebleed seats are great, too. Those are <laughs> great seats. And it's part of a larger scenario of seats.
1: <laughs> there are have. courtside seats.
4: Some people said that I was going to sell you seats that are located outside of the building. No, 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 no. You're very much in the building. All right, Alice. Uh, unfinished a- business are we are we going to talk a little bit about uh mention this David Hogg because this is I sad gonna- for me because I actually <laughs> had pre-ordered 16 of these.
1: <laughs> so yes, um news if you've been waiting on David Hogg pillows David would- Hogg
4: who self-describes himself as a victim of gun violence. Mm-hmm. who was at the what's the school called? Park- Parkland Parkland school. He was so the Parkland school is made of a few buildings. Mm-hmm. One is the freshman building where there was a shooting. Right. Another building was, apart from that building, Mm
1: -hmm.
4: by some distance, where there wasn't a shooting. That building was where David Hogg was. Just so you know, I understand. And and in that building, most of the kids did not hear Mm -hmm. a shooting. Right. They heard a fire alarm. But David Hogg and the rest of his theater class, drama club class, Mm -hmm. They all went as soon as the shooting was done in building A, they went from building B to outside to CNN and became famous. <laughs> right. So, not to take away from him that he wasn't in proximity because he could have he said that the that the that the janitor saved them all because he kept them in the building in case they were thinking of all running into building A, which of <laughs> course would not been have been a good place to run considering the police were running away from building A. Right. So just so you know, the victim of gun violence, I would say that somebody in Building A who was certainly shot and killed, or shot, or shot at, would be more of a victim of gun violence than David Hogg,
1: mm-hmm.
4: who wasn't in a shooting. Right. Okay. I'm not, I'm not in trouble for that, right?
1: I don't think so. Okay. I don't okay. think so. So this goes back, we talked about this a little bit a few months ago, um... Because David Hogg decided he was upset that uh Mike Lindell exists and has the audacity to like President Trump. And so, um He didn't like that Mike Lindell was supporting all these, um, you know, stop the steal rallies and going to Trump and trying to get him to declare martial law. Right, the stupid
4: pillow guy. So obviously being a stupid pillow guy is Mm -hmm. an easy, easy thing to do. So he comes up with a brilliant idea, revolutionary idea.
1: Mm -hmm. He wanted to, and he met someone on Twitter in his Twitter comments as they were talking about this, um, who agreed to help him start his own pillow company. And they were going to be union-made, American-made pillows made in with people who were right. diverse. Not and, using racist
4: highways. They were <laughs> going to, it was the most noble pillow green, you could ever have. They were going
1: to be green and have no yes. environmental. All the things. The pillows were going to be great. They decided to call the company Good Pillow instead of My Pillow. So they hadn't yet at this point
4: doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> I already love it. It's already comfortable. It's already they the most
1: hadn't... comfortable pillow. I am such a good progressive.
4: It's already the most comfortable pillow I've ever used.
1: They hadn't at this point started to look into like making pillows or anything like that. But
4: right, but a uh, but a really intelligent kid who goes from drama club somehow into Harvard mm-hmm. uh, would would be able to pick this up no problem at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, if stupid Michael Dell can do it, right. how could? David Hogg not become a pillow entrepreneur. Right? right. A
4: magnate immediately. Right.
1: So, anyway, he and his buddy on Twitter that he had never <laughs> met in real life decided to start this company, Good Pillow, um, which, uh, they was met with huge acclaim on the left. They immediately it was a big were featured. dunk on
4: Lindell too, because mm-hmm. this kid's gonna step right in and take the pillow business by storm right out from under Lindell. So Sayonara.
1: the Washington Post profiled them and their company and this whole thing. So, as the Washington Post is profiling them, they reach out to Twitter because they don't yet. Not only do they not make pillows, <laughs> which some people would think is like a prerequisite for starting a pillow company, but not only do they not make pillows, but they don't yet have a website or a logo or right. like Or anything. an idea for a pillow. So, or
4: drive. and
1: So they then, on the day when they're being interviewed by the Washington yes. Post, reach out to Twitter and ask for graphic designers who can, on the cheap, make them a logo and a website quickly. So you can go see their website. It's goodpillow.co. And it's... Obviously, a very high-end website. As you can see, it has not changed since that date, which is now two months ago, when they were interviewed by the Washington Post, and um, and their logo and the whole thing, which they. Join the waitlist. So you can join the waitlist, and there's like typos in the simple HTML site that they have. It's a mess, but anyway, so they put up this site. They have the Washington. Oh my God!
4: There are typos.
1: There is a. They have this Washington Post profile where they give the website number to the Washington Post. And they hold a meme contest on Twitter for memes that dunk on Mike Lindell. And then that was like in mid-February. Then they go dark. And there's nothing from them for literally two months. So everybody's kind of been going like, so whatever happened to the pillow company, guys? Um, So David Hogg tweeted yesterday, A couple weeks ago, a very spontaneous interaction over Twitter between me and William Legate led to us trying to start a progressive pillow company. The goal was, and still is, to create a great pillow that is sustainably produced in domestic unionized factories and have a percentage of those profits benefit progressive social causes. We were met with immediate and overwhelming support. But I soon realized that given my activism, schoolwork, and family commitments, I could not give 100% to being a full-time co-founder at Good Pillow. After many discussions with William and my friends, family, and mentors, I made the good faith decision to allow William to bring our vision to life without me. That vision remains an ethical company that produces products that people need while creating good union paying jobs and supporting social causes at the same time. I am incredibly appreciative of those family and friends who reached out to support me, and I am thankful for those who supported me in this vision. Effective immediately, I have resigned and released <laughs> all shares, any ownership, and any control of Good Pillow LLC. I want to thank Will for his partnership and wish him absolutely nothing but success with the future of Good Pillow. The reasons for my departure rest entirely with me and my own personal commitments, and I truly wish Will nothing but the best. Over the next several months, I'll be taking some time to focus on my studies in college and advance the gun violence prevention movement with March for Our Lives and personally. While now may not be the best time for me, I do deeply believe it is incumbent upon our country's businesses to do no harm and empower the communities in which they serve. Serving as an advocate and activist is just just one major part of my life, I do hope one day to shape our global community to become more aware, progressive, and equitable through social entrepreneurship and other avenues in the future. While the tragedy and trauma I experience does shape me, like many other survivors of gun violence, it is not even close to who I am fully, and I am looking forward to using this time to grow myself as an organizer, friend, son, and brother. So uh, that's going well, as you can tell. Uh David Hogg has bailed on Good Pillow. So how are things going for Good Pillow itself? You might want to know. Are the pillows being produced? Well, finally they posted a Twitter update. They said that they've been working hard the past several months, growing the team and solidifying manufacturing logistics. Everyone at Good Pillow is immensely grateful to David Hogg for his leadership in helping get the company off the ground, and we wish him the best. Uh I don't know how much David Hogg did to get it off the ground. I can't tell you one other thing about this story that is fascinating. Is that among other things involved with starting a business that David Hogg and William Legate did not do uh, while starting their business, they did not trademark the name Good Pillow. So once they made this big announcement and ran their Washington Post profile and all this other stuff, someone else trademarked the name and started a company – um, that supposedly makes ethical, union-made, diverse, oh, green pillows. I've got.
4: I, I I've been trying to uh, sign you up for the waiting list for a pillow, Alice, and it mm-hmm. hasn't been working. The the image thing, like where it says, click on all the oh, pictures. Oh no! Now it finally went through. You are on the waiting list. Oh good! I can't wait. You have a good pillow coming. Oh good! Check your email. Tell me if you've gotten a confirmation email. Hmm. Have you got
1: one? Um, I did not check.
4: Please check right now as we go, Alice, before we go. Mm-hmm. I want you to get... So, it.
1: but this other website, I'll check my email, but this other website, which is goodpillow.io instead of goodpillow.co, actually did manage to put together a website where you can supposedly buy pillows. You can shop on the website and give them money, but they don't appear to actually be shipping people pillows. So they're they are ruining David Hogg's good name. Because they have trademarked the name of his company, <laughs> and they are selling good pillows, and they have terrible customer service, and people on Twitter oh, keep complaining no. to David Hogg and William Gates, Good Pillow. Oh, no. because they're not getting their good pillows from the other company I that trademarks the name. I good Pillow. I am
4: shocked that this, uh, you know, this uh, theater student, Harvard student, is unable to uh, make his business gain lift off. Here come the kids. I don't
1: see anything about, from Good Pillow anything? in my email. I Alice don't. K. Thomas at whatever. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't see any. God, that's from disappointing. Pillow. I'll let you know. Well, Hopefully I'll let you a, know tomorrow if I get good any good pillow. pillow emails. Am I still? Oh, I'm not Oh, here still we go. It's me. all coming Hi. apart. Oh, anyway, tomorrow,
4: by the way, we'll get into. Oh no, we'll get into. Um, <laughs> we'll get into. Um, oh, Jim James, we'll get into the. There's a move on to actually begin the reparations process, which is just a fantastic idea. We'll talk a little bit about that among other things. I'm on WTIC this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday.
1: Um, so you can check us out on Twitter. We are Burn Barrel Pod on Twitter, also on Gab and Parlor. We are Burn Barrel Podcasts. We're at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, or you can send us an email at burn barrel at gmail.com. Um, you can check out our YouTube channel. That's Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel on YouTube. And um, we'd like to see you there. Subscribe, leave a comment, write us a review wherever you happen to listen to podcasts.
0: C'est la vie.